0: This morning, we're going to be talking about awakening vision and specifically awakenings vision, our vision. And at the beginning of the new year, we always start here. The new year is a great time with fresh potential and possibilities to restart. And we want to get our hearts and minds Back to why uh, we gather and why we do what we do. Uh, think about why we have people that show up at 7 a.m. to help set up or because we're in the cafeteria, which those of you who are not used to us being in the cafeteria, at the beginning of the year, we spend six weeks in the cafeteria because they do a big production in the theater. So there's a group here last night setting up this room So because there's a lot of extra work. Like, why do people give so much time to do that? Why do they go and serve with our kids? And they have to deal with my boys, which they're a little wild at times, uh, and make coffee. We, we want to get back to the reason why uh, we do what we do. Now, here's why this is so important. Uh, I, I, Gail Hyatt says this, that people lose their way when they lose their why. Organizations and movements lose their way when they lose their why. And specifically for you, thinking about this, this is why so many New Year's resolutions fail. Um, how many of you, by the way, and I'm, I'm a goal setter, I love goals, so this isn't a... I know resolutions have gotten a, kind of a dirty name uh, lately, but if you like resolutions, you make New Year's resolutions, how many of you do that? Anybody? Yeah, 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 all right, cool, cool. How many of you hate doing New Year's resolutions? You swarm off, okay, yeah, yeah. But, it, but here's the reason why so many New Year's resolutions uh, fail, uh, or at least one of the big reasons why, is we lose sight of the why, like the picture, the preferred picture that we're moving towards, the vision of what began it all. Uh, i give you one quick example in my own life is... Uh, this Christmas break, I've really enjoyed with my family. We just shut down, had an awesome time, and then um, I also enjoyed it, um, uh, the food of Christmas break as well, and not a whole lot of exercise, and just really, um, really enjoyed the food. Okay, and I caught back on the scale as like, okay, January 1, I'm going to get it. I'm like, wow, I really enjoyed the food, and the pants were all tight, uh, January 1, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get into it. I'm 21 days. I'm going to, you know, get this whole deal. Anybody uh, like that at the beginning of the new year, working out. Uh, Friday, I said, well, you know what, it's just Friday. I have a cheat day that turned into a cheat weekend. And, 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 and what it was it? I just lost sight of why I began it all the way only four days earlier. This is what's true of all of us. We get started strong. Many of us don't finish strong because we lose sight of why we began. Vision is this. Vision is the why. Vision is the uh, the picture of what could be and should be. Vision inspires. When you have a picture of a preferred future, it inspires you, it motivates you, and it pushes you through uh, going through those tough times, when it going gets tough, you need a clear, compelling vision, a why behind it that says, no, 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 I can make it through because it's worth it and it matters. And so before we talk about awakening's vision, let me ask you this. Maybe you've never thought of this. What's your vision for your life? Like, what's your picture of a preferred future? What's the picture of what could be and should be? Do you have a personal, or maybe if you're married with kids, do you have a family vision statement or mission statement? Have you ever thought of that? Think about this. Companies spend tons of money crafting vision statements and mission statements. Every successful organization has one because what's at stake is the bottom line if they don't. And yet, you have one life to live. Think about this. You have a limited number of days on this planet to make an impact. And many of us have never taken the time to craft a personal vision statement. Imagine, imagine if you had life, uh, you, know, you began to attack life with a clarity of what, where you wanted to go and why you wanted to be there. And here's your purpose on the planet. Like you could fill in this line, I exist too, like, like, da, da, da. What, and you were like, no, this is why I exist. And it fills every single day, it inspires and motiva- motivates, it fills every day with meaning and Purpose. And so perhaps for some, maybe maybe those especially who swore off New Year's resolutions, maybe perhaps you take time this week. Make, take time this month and think about what is your vision statement? What is your mission statement? Why are you here? That's a big question. <laughs> Let me give you two questions that will help you on this um, in crafting it. First question is, is how do you want to be remembered? Like, what do you want people to say about you? What do you want people to think about you? Not at your funeral, because they might just say good stuff, but when they think about you. How do you want to be remembered? The second question is, what matters most? What matters most, and begin to write those things out, and you'll begin to get clear on a compelling vision for your life. And what happens, especially in the Silicon Valley, but everywhere, is we get caught up with life. We get caught up with the busyness and the pace and the demands and the pressures and the urgence. And here's what happens. What matters most, unfortunately, though we know it, it gets pushed to the sideline, doesn't it? And we look back and we realize for many, and I've had lots of conversations, we never lived in to who we were made to be. All right? So what's your vision for your life? Well, here's the vision of awakening. Here's how we say it here. We say we exist to awaken this generation to new life. That's why people showed up yesterday to set up. You know what they were doing? They were preparing the way for God to work. We wouldn't be able to gather in this space if they didn't show up. That's why people stood in the cold to welcome this make coffee you know what they're trying to do they're trying to create a space where people love to be and hate to leave that's why so many people serve in our kids ministry that are over there loving on kids and you know what after vacation just by the way is a really hard time to work with kids they got lots of energy had lots of sugar and it takes an incredible amount of patience and these Teachers go, no, no, we want to help kids really understand and get the heart of God and and know and walk with Jesus all the days of their life. Like, that's why we do what we do. A couple observations about this. We exist uh, to awaken this generation to new life in Jesus. I just want you to know for awakening, like like our focus, our purpose, it's all about Jesus. Jesus. Like, my goal, my aim is how can I help form Christ in you? How can I help you grow into a closer relationship with Jesus? It's all for him. It's all because of him. We're not trying to grow big to say we got a big church. We want to just declare we have a really big God who longs to do incredible things in and through your life. The second thing you'll notice is it's about transformation. Like, awaken this generation to new life. It's about transformation in your life. That's what the gospel is about, by the way. That's why it's good news. It's it's not just about trying to somehow get your old life just a little bit better. And Christianity, following Jesus, isn't about some moral moral code of how do you work hard and just kind of make your way through it. It's actually about an inside-out transformation of God in our lives. It's about experiencing brand new life. Jesus made this promise. I came that you might have life and life to the full. And many people never experience life. They just exist. Walking through, sleepwalking. That's why we named it Awakening, because we're like that's what we want to see happen. We want to see an awakening of like life, of transformation. You'll also notice that it's really specific, right? Like it's this generation. We want to reach this generation. You know what this generation is? It's the generation between 18 to 25 or to 30. And some of you are going, like me, I'm not in that generation. You're right. I'm not either. Well, is this church for you? No. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Well, here's the door. you know, when we first started awakening, we were so young and it was a it was a group that uh, we launched out as a college young adults group to start this that if you were thirty or older, you felt out of place. Uh, and so we're like, no, no, no. We want to see every generation growing together, and we need every generation to reach this generation. Let me tell you why we're specific like this. So did you know that uh, in the Bay Area, the fastest growing demographic is that demographic between 18 to 30-year-old? Uh, the tech jobs just bringing in tons of millennials uh, right there. Did you know just in San Jose alone, just San Jose, 100, you know, one million people, there's about 100,000 uh, between the age of just 18 and 24. Five here in the Bay Area? Did you know that in the church that there is a missing demographic? That you have 35 to 75 and on, and you have the young kids, and you go to churches, and the missing demographic is the 18 to 30-year-olds. The future leaders of the church, the ones who are going to change in, uh, the world, they're missing from the church. Well, I want to be a part of that, don't you? Now, here I'm, I'm kind of selfish in this, by the way, because I have three kids. <laughs> and I long for my kids to love Jesus for a lifetime, not just a time in their life. And I know that if we create a culture that reaches this generation, when they go off to college, they want to come back and be a part of it. It isn't a church that's obsolete and not for them. It speaks their language and My kids, man, and our kids have these incredible young adults investing in their lives. And you know what I want to do when I talk about this for those of us who are a little bit older and those who are a little bit older than me? Don't you want to pass on the baton of leadership well to the next generation? So many times it's been fumbled over the years. So many times a new generation has to go out and do their own thing and try to carve their own way. Don't we want to raise up the next generation of leaders? Don't we want to leave the church in a better place than when we found it? Man, I want to give my life to that. And those in this generation, man, this is such an incredible opportunity. You know, the millennials are the most missional-minded generation that we've experienced in America, ever. And today, we have the greatest technological capability to communicate and extend the kingdom and the message of the gospel like never before. Think about this. This generation has the capacity or the potential to reach their generation. Like, you get to do that. You can be a part of that. And I, I got to tell you, I, I'm pretty confident that the next great idea for the church, I'm not going to have. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. But I want to I help spot it in someone else. I want to help spot it in the next generation and let young leaders fly. That's what we're about. That's what we want to create. And, and you'll notice the final thing just with this is that, is that our, our vision is, is not limited. You know, this generation is, um, well, hmm. it's global, isn't it? We're not talking about just San Jose or Silicon Valley. Dare to dream what God might want to do in and through a small group of people. We're a growing group of people. But you think about a worldwide impact. That's my prayer, is that God would use awakening to be a catalyst, to reach an impact, an awakening across the globe. I don't know how that's going to happen. I think it's going to start here in Silicon Valley with really bright, engineered people who have a kingdom heart. That we had leverage technology to advance the kingdom of God. You know, the church is generally 10 to 15 years behind when it comes technologically. And yet in the Silicon Valley, we have the brightest and most gifted in this arena. Man, imagine what could be. See, we exist. This is why we gather. This is why people sacrifice their time. This is why we are doing what we are doing. Well, where did this vision come from? Uh, it kind of shocking as I began to think about this. That line, we exist to awaken this generation to new life in Jesus, did you know it's 10 years old this month? 10 years ago, uh, we moved, my wife and I moved, Back to the Bay Area. We both grew up in Santa Cruz, and then I did my schooling in Chicago, and then I worked at a church in Atlanta. And Atlanta was a tough season for our family and the South. And um, we were moving back, and we started a uh, working at a church called Westgate, and we started a ministry called Awakening. And it was highly successful. The first three months is it crazy. It's unbelievable. I I don't want to toot my own horn, but here I go. We grew from 30 people to six. <laughs> I know. No, it was, it was incredibly discouraging. Uh, we started out, you know, had, this, had about 20, 30 people that showed up. And then we had, by the end of the time, six people that were there. And I'm going like, oh, my goodness, why even try? In fact, we took about a month, uh, six weeks off and didn't even meet. Can you imagine how awkward it is to have a full band and six people in the audience? It's, it's, it's not not fun. We'd, I'd give a sermon, and I'd circle up everybody just to do the talk. And so we took a break, and then coming out of that, I said, you know what? We need, we need a clear and compelling vision and, and some people that are going to buy into this that we'd move together and see a movement of God happen. And so I said, hey, we're going to do a leadership team meeting at my house. And I want you guys, you know, to come and we're going to open up our Bibles and say, okay, God, what do you have for us? About 20 or 30 people showed up at my house. I'm like, where have you guys been? And during that time, we looked at Matthew 18 or 28 verses 18 through 20. It's What's known as the Great Commission. It's Jesus's big Why? It's it's the missional mandate of the church. If you want to know why every follower of Jesus exists, it's this verse. And out of that time, we we worked and we strived and we labored in a couple hours. And on a whiteboard, ended up writing, "We exist." What we're going to be about, this fledgling little ministry is going to be about awakening this generation to new life in Jesus. And it's been our constant North Star for the last 10 years, and it will continue to be as long as God lets us to go. And you know what was amazing is we got to watch God take this small fledgling group and grow up from 30 to 60 to 100 to a couple hundred to a few hundred And then Westgate said, why don't you guys go start a church? And then five and a half years ago, we launched out and started a church. And that's been a grand adventure. But the vision, by the way, vision always stays the same. You you don't adjust your vision based on what you see around you. You adjust your lives to the vision. Your methods might change. Our methods over the years are going to probably change. At some point, I'm not going to like the music in our church. You know why? Why? Because it's about reaching this generation, and I probably won't like this generation's music in some. By the way, young people, those in our church who don't really like our music, but say, man, we love this generation, are heroes. How amazing is it that they go, you know what? It's a little loud. I know we did acoustic this morning, but man, when the, the band's up there, the electric guitar, oh, it's... But I sure love this generation. If you got your Bibles, would you open up to... Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. I want to, I want to unpack this passage afresh for you. And to do that, uh, for many who've been around, you're familiar with this passage because I've taught this more than any other passage in the life of our church. Uh, but I want to maybe take a different shift. And I want you to look at this passage uh, in, in the context of spiritual momentum. Momentum. Uh, one of the things that I find is no matter how many times I come to a p- passage, uh, even that oh I've read it over and over, I'm very familiar with it, man, the Word of God is rich and inexhaustible. You can keep going back to it and discovering new things each and every time. Part of it that helps me is when I just kind of put a different lens on. I think of it from a leadership aspect. I think of it from a relational aspect. Uh, I want you to look at this as spiritual momentum. And we have momentum as a church right now. It's really an exciting time. our Our Christmas Eve was the largest Christmas Eve we've ever had in the life of our church. And that was exciting. Our, our church is you know because we have so many young people and and by the way, um, our church is sixty two percent single. All the single people went, really? It's awesome. Yeah, and and did you know that 66% of our church is between the ages of 18 and 30? And we're like reaching this generation. And by the way, single people, and you're wondering where are all the single people? Now you can just ask, are you single? Two-thirds of the time, you'll be right. They'll say yes. And you go, I I would love to uh, grab coffee, I guess. That would be great. But I want to talk about this whole idea of momentum. And we have momentum as a church and because we're such a young church, what happens in holiday seasons uh, is we see that uh, you know, our college students, you know, leave. They go home, and so our attendance goes down. And then those who are, you know, young professionals or young marrieds, they go home to their parents for uh, these holidays. And so our attendance actually drops. And there's been many Christmases where we kind of look around and say, Anybody here? And then, you know, as the new year, it slowly starts to kind of catch back up. And by, you know, the third week in January, it's like running and gunning. One of the exciting parts is that our, our December, our, our attendance was like rock steady the entire December. And then our Christmas Eve was the biggest we'd ever had. We have momentum, and it's really exciting. I want to make sure we have spiritual momentum, though. I don't want us to get so enamored with just numbers and people and forget, uh, like, man, I want to see an incredible spiritual momentum for a move of God. So look at this through the eyes of, like, how do you gain spiritual momentum? Jesus then came to them and said, He had the resurrected Jesus final moments before he's about to ascend, these are his marching orders to his disciples. He says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, this is incredible and really powerful. Spiritual momentum begins when we realize that the authority is Jesus's and not ours. The power is from Jesus and not ours. It's not about our ability or our capacity, it's about his ability and his capacity. Uh, if, if If you measure yourself by what only you can do on your best day, you can do the best you can do. But if you measure yourself by what God can do on your worst day, you can do way better than what you ever could do because he has all the power and authority. And that's the foundation and the starting point for us. And we lean in and we go, no, 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 it's not about me. It's about Jesus working through me. And spiritual momentum begins when we address and recognize and go, no, 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 Jesus, you have the power and you're at work. And so I'm going to lean into that so I can move forward with confidence. And then he says this, therefore, go, go, go. I I added two goes there. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the the identification into the community of God. And then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's the the discipleship process of becoming an apprentice. to, To follow Jesus is to say, I'm going to learn to do what Jesus did. I'm going to learn to think the way Jesus thought. I'm going to learn to respond the way Jesus responded. That's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And spiritual momentum begins with saying, okay, Jesus has all the power. It's all his authority working through me. Then I'm going to step into my purpose on the planet, is I'm going to embrace my purpose. And Jesus would say, if you're going to work on your personal vision statement or mission statement, he's going to say, I exist to make disciples. Like, the minute you become a follower of Jesus, your purpose on this planet is to help other people experience a relationship with their loving Heavenly Father. Like, I, I don't know how you would fill in the I, I exist thing, but... Um, it might be, I exist to make money, I exist to be upwardly mobile, I exist to be successful, I exist to, you know, build a platform, I exist to whatever it is. And all those things leave us feeling wanting, don't they? And ultimately, you are designed, and the hunger and the thirst of our soul, the, the question mark that we live with is the question of, man, I long and I need God. And God says, I love you and I'm pursuing you and I want a relationship with you. It's not about some religious duty. It's about this incredible relationship with God. And then your purpose, my purpose. It's like in the middle of your workplace, in the middle of your schooling, as you go through your day, and that's by the way it says, therefore go. Um, Sometimes we get in our minds that it's like, hey, I got to go on this mission trip. I got to go do these things. Literally, the way it's constructed in the Greek is as you go or while you're going. So think about this. Therefore, while you're on your way, Make disciples. While you're going about what you're doing, make disciples. Like you can fulfill your purpose on this planet, when you're having lunch, you can fulfill your purpose on this planet when you're going to work, when you're going to school, when, when, you're, when you're at the gym or when you're watching the Warriors win. Hello, that hallelujah, Praise the shepherd. I do love me the Warriors, and Steph Curry was magnificent yesterday. Now think about this. Jenny and I um, were recently at The Table, and uh, it's a restaurant in Willow Glen. We love The Table, and we actually go on a date day. We try to every single Friday. So we go to brunch there, and for those of you who are dating, engaged, or married, invest in your relationship. Never go on autopilot. Uh, if you're married, date your wife. Man, I've married my best friend and I date her every single week. I'm still dating her. Man, she's my girlfriend. Hello. Fifteen years married, and it's getting better and better. And so we're hanging out, and we're on our date. My work week is Sunday through Thursday, and then I do some stuff on Saturday. But Friday's my Sabbath. I'm off, and I don't do anything. I don't call anyone. I don't look at the notes. I don't do—I'm hanging out with Jenny, and then I'm hanging out with our kids. And we're talking with our waitress, and sweet girl, and she's asking us— You know, like, oh, do you guys come here often? And we're like, yeah, we're here every Friday. She's like, really? Yeah. like, well, we're, you know, investing in our marriage. Oh, really? How long have you been married? 15 years. Wow. I know. Wow. (laughs) That's right. Uh, You know, And, and then we begin to talk about this whole process, and we're talking about our relationship and why we do what we do. And I actually went up to go use the bathroom, and she leans over to Jenny, and she says, You guys are awesome. (laughs) And to be fair, Jenny is awesome. Most people keep me around because of her. And if you know Jenny, I'm not even overstating that. But you know what she saw? She saw Jesus in us. That's it. You know what she's noticed? She noticed Jesus in us. That's it. See, you can fulfill your purpose and then be on a date with your wife. This isn't something complicated. This isn't like, hey, I need to go adjust all these sort of things. This is having the awareness that the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells inside of you. And so if resurrection power is now inside of you, then resurrecting life should be happening all around us. And so it should be going through our day. We're helping other people get to know their Heavenly Father. And that's your purpose, and that's my purpose. And it gets a little scary. You're like, really, I'm going to step into that? Well, as you step into it, you begin to experience this spiritual momentum in your life. And you're like, well, well I don't know how to do it. And Jesus says, and surely I'm with you always. You're never alone. You're never on your own. You're never left out to dry. I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. You know, as we think about this, wouldn't it be amazing, like, if, like, Jesus was with you, like, right, like, right here with you, like, like, Jesus, and you're, like, hanging out with someone, like, oh, have you met Jesus Be amazing. Look, I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Here he is. Hello, Jesus. And like, right there. And here's the truth. Like Jesus says, I am with you everywhere you go. My spirit indwelled in you. So that, and here's the thing that many of you miss. People are seeing Jesus in you, and they're not really sure what it is. They just like it and are attracted to it. And our job is to help connect the dots. Like with that young girl. It's not not us. Honestly, if if you knew us, we're pretty average at best. But Jesus in us, that's what you're seeing. And that's who you're getting to know, and you're getting to see Jesus Through a spiritual momentum, it starts with Jesus having the power, embracing your purpose, and realizing you're never on your own. Now, I want to mention one thing um, that I think has hindered many people, and I'm watching around, has hindered a lot of people in their relationship with God. In, In their process or story of trying to live out Their purpose. At the beginning of a new year, we have a hunger and a thirst, many of us, to grow closer to God, to have a deeper relationship, to to really step into something that's meaningful, and yet we find that we often, often come up short, stuck, if you will. Instead of spiritual momentum, many of us would say we're spiritually stuck. And I don't know if you notice, and we went over it pretty quick, but back to our passage, he says, and teaching them to... Now, notice what he says next. Can you see that? What does he say? Obey. obey. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So I would like to suggest that perhaps for some... You're spiritually stuck because there are toxic habits in your life. There are things that you've embraced that perhaps you even enjoy, you're unwilling to let go, but it's killing your relationship with God. And we don't like that obey thing. It's like obey, obey, obey. I don't want to obey. Don't tell me to obey. Who are you? This is America. America. (laughs) Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. He said, this is my command, that you love one another. This this is my command. (laughs) Think about this, the words of Jesus. That you love one another in the same way that I have loved you. And by this, the whole world will know you're my disciple. Um, this last fall was really hard for me. Uh, For many of you, you know Steve Saccone. And actually, I got his book here. This is going to be a little shout-out for him. He just came out with a new book, Talking uh, About God. Pick it up. Really excited for him. But Steve, one of my best friends, amazing man, and a great pastor here for a while before he moved to Florida. Well, after he moved... um, you know that whole God's power and your power? Uh, I, I can be prideful at times. And as he laughed, I was like, I got this. I can do this. And so what I did is I kind of doubled down. I said, okay, I'm just going to work harder and grip my teeth and we can get through this. September was incredibly busy. I said yes to a lot of things I shouldn't have said yes to. In fact, the Holy Spirit, I mean Jenny, said I shouldn't say yes to those things. And I allowed some unhealthy habits to begin to creep into my life, into my viewing, into health. The Bible calls those sin. We just can make it a little bit softer calling it unhealthy habit. It was in late October that I realized... um, I realized something. I realized that, like, God's blessing what I'm doing. He's blessing the preaching. He's blessing the church. And we're growing. And yet there's something happening in my heart. There is a shift where I go, like, um, okay. I, uh. my heart is just drifting from you. And you know what scared me? What scared me is as I began to evaluate, I looked out here that God was blessing and working, and in here there was drift. There was a part of me that went like, I kind of like it, and I don't want to leave it. And maybe I can have out there look good and in here not be good. And it scared me. You know, as a little boy, And I'm excited we'll be teaching the life of David. But as a little boy, I always prayed that kind of David prayer. God, would you make me a man or a boy after your own heart? Like, I don't care what happens, but I don't want my heart to ever drift from you. And so, October was painful. I had to confess to my wife areas in my life that, man, ungodly where my heart had drifted. I confess to our bored areas in my life that were ungodly and bring my life back. See, spiritual momentum, I think for many in this room, is going to begin with a, spirit, with a soul detox. Like if we're going to be a church that awakens this generation, it begins with men and women who take Jesus' teaching seriously and say, we're going to get after it, and you need to have my heart and all of my heart, and I'm in. And there's habits in your life that you need to repent of. And go, 2018... I'm not going that direction anymore. I'm going to confess it to someone. I'm going to get a good group around me. Maybe you need to get in a spiritual or or in a missional community. You're like, I don't want to get in a missional community. exactly why you need one. Or maybe you start your own. You get three or four people, and you say, hey, let's start a, a, a missional community. We're just going to meet every week, and we're going to grow together. But we're going to live this out. We're going to stop just going through the motions. In fact, I have a book. I put it in the back if you guys want to get it, but it's, it's just what I'm reading right now as I started, and I thought maybe for those who wanted to start a missional community, you can pick it up. It's called Soul Detox by Craig Grishel, and Queen uh, living in a contaminated world, and I, I'm just in the first few chapters, but you go, okay, I, I'm going to read you know a chapter with a couple friends and discuss it and begin to grow together but may we be a community that takes Jesus seriously, that experiences his power, embrace your purpose, and you live in the reality of his presence. If that's true, then I just, I, I'm going to close with this, and I know there's parts of your notes that I didn't fill in. The, all of them is really... <laughs> the, <laughs> But if that's true, I have a BHAG for us this year, okay? If you're willing to buy into what we just talked about, if you're going like, okay, Ingram, as you're talking, the, the spiritual, like, you know, decibel level of my soul began to raise and I'm getting in with you, I have a B-hag, And if you don't know what a BHAG is, it stands for Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal. It's, uh, yeah, there's another word you can replace with that, but uh, we'll st- stick with this, but... A BHAG is a long-term goal that changes the very nature of a business existence. It's a goal that gets you out of small thinking. And here's what I got to tell us, church. We need a vision. We have a vision that is way bigger than what we can accomplish. And here's, I love this quote. If prayer isn't necessary to accomplishing your vision, then you aren't dreaming big enough. Here's our, here's my BHAG, and I don't know how long it's going to take us to get here, but I just have this dream. I have this desire. I have this longing for, for this to happen, for awakening to happen. Like awakening, not just like church happening. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, we, we get this picture, and it tells us a summary of what's happening as the early church began to explode on the scene. And it Begins to tell about their community and it tells about how they all had everything in common and one in heart. And it has this line, and this line has haunted me. This line has been something that I just has been challenged by and has become a prayer of mine. And it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Imagine, think about this imagine. Imagine if God would use us to add to our number daily those being saved. Like at awakening, 365 people came to know Jesus, stepped into new life. Like, man, we're doing baptisms every single week and lots of them because we just don't have enough time or space. Like that's my dream. That's what I want to be a part of. That's what this city needs. And God, by the way, Another second side of that is: I believe I'm praying that God would use you to bring new life to those around you. Not a come and see church, but a go and be church. That was not so much about our seating capacity, but about our sending capacity that the character and the quality of the transformed lives in this place understand and embrace that I am the church on the move. I am the light of the world, that when people see me, they're experiencing the presence of God because Jesus lives in me, the Holy Spirit dwells in me, and wherever I go, I bring good news and I bring life and resurrection life around me, and that is my prayer. That's my prayer for you and for our church. And so, as we close, would you just stand with me? And I want to pray a prayer very familiar to some. It's an ancient prayer Franciscan benediction. I've used it before. It's my prayer for you and our church as we begin 2018. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships. So that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people. So that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war. So that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness awakening, church. To believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. May we see this generation experience new life. Go and be the church, extending his love and grace in the mighty strong name of Jesus. Amen.